How's it going, everybody? You're listening to episode number 47 of Trail Tales. My name is Kyle O'Grady. I'm a thru-hiker. I'm a peak bagger. I'm just a dude who really loves to hike. And this is the podcast where I chat with other hikers just like myself about their experiences on the trail. If you're new here, I encourage you to go back and listen to some other episodes after you're done with this one. Maybe hit that subscribe button if you like what you hear. I really appreciate that. And welcome back. If you're a regular listener, this is going to be a good one, folks. Syntax77, also known as Sean Crawford. He's back. He's back on the show. A lot of people will tell me after we do an episode that they want to come back on. But for some reason, when Sean and I were talking about it, I just kind of really felt that he was actually like super, super stoked to come back on. And so we made it happen. And just like our previous conversation, we kind of just went all over the place with this one. I do pick his brain quite a bit about some of the behind the scenes stuff relating to his latest video that is called Military Surplus Camping B-47 Crash Site Adirondack Mountains. But yeah, like I just said, we don't just talk about that. We talk about the whites quite a bit. As usual, we talk about hammocks a little bit at the end. I even said it during the episode. I'm like, almost two hours of talking to Syntax77. Got to talk about hammocks at some point in there. So we did get to that. And of course, being a content creator myself and a fan of his channel, I did have to ask him a little bit about the behind the scenes stuff relating to his work, his films, and his channel. So I had a great time. Sean, when you hear this, thank you so much for coming on for round two. I'm looking forward to round three. And yeah, just really, really appreciate it. I hope everybody enjoys this one. If you do and you want to let me know, you can do that on Instagram at TrailTalesPod. You can also send me an email, trailtalespod at gmail.com. If you send me any sort of feedback or any message at all, really, and you want me to send you a couple Trail Tales stickers, be sure to include your address and I will get those out. I've been shipping out a couple of those every week and I always have a good time with that. So if you're interested, let me know. Of course, Patreon is a thing as well. If you listen to the show on the regular and you want to help ensure I can continue you want to help ensure I can cover costs here, please go check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash trailtales. There's also a link in the show notes. I'm not going to read any iTunes reviews this week. I'm going to save that for next week because I want to keep this intro short, but go leave some five-star iTunes reviews. I'll get caught up with those eventually. And lastly, go check out trailtalespod.com still relatively new website that I built. I'm pretty proud of it. First time I've ever built a website before. So it was pretty fun. It was a lot of work. It was pretty challenging too. So go check that out if you're interested. And with that, I think we're going to get into the episode number 47 with Sean Crawford, Syntax 77. Sean Crawford, how's it going, man? Welcome back for round two. I'm, I'm super psyched to have you here. I really appreciate it. I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. It's it's pretty crazy. I was uh, I actually listened to our last conversation today when I was at work, and for some reason in my head, I, I remembered it being like not very long ago. Like It didn't really feel like that much time has passed, and I was like listening to it, and I was talking about this hike that I was about to go do in the Dix range, right? Yeah. And 
I've <laughs> looking back on it now, like that was like the first hike I did this summer. And now it's the end of September and the summer's almost over. So it's pretty crazy, like how fast the time went by. And I'm sure you got up to a lot this summer. I know I definitely did. And I'm just very excited to to be back and, and, and be talking about it again. So yeah, dude, I guess that's a good place to start. Um, what did you get up to since we last since we last spoke? Um, well, let's see. I've, I've been to Dolly Sods uh, since then. Actually, a lot of trips, I think, because like you said, that was like late spring or something like that. When I think we it was talked. right at the end of May. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think I did Kehana Trail and PA, um, Dolly Sods. We talked last time about um, underappreciation for the Adirondacks, which inspired me. I went back up to the Adirondacks. Um, I did White Mountains. I finally completed um, what I call the Press Cat Loop. It was my third attempt at that, and uh, <laughs> I finally knocked that out. And um, I think there's another trip or two in there somewhere, but a lot of good stuff. A lot of a lot of walking. It sounds like, yeah, dude, that's sick. That's that sounds like a pretty solid summer to me. Um, yeah. I I kind of want to talk about your most recent hike. So first of all, I think it's or your most recent film anyways. I don't know if it's your most recent hike, but uh the the Adirondack uh like plane crash that one. So anyways, um I watched that today and I thought that was a really really cool idea. It was like super unique. Like I like maybe maybe something else like that exists on YouTube, but I've certainly never seen anything like that. And I thought that was like a, a really cool way to kind of put a fresh perspective on the whole like hiking trip video thing. So my first question here is like, how did you come up with that idea? Like what prompted that? I know you just said a second ago that trail or, or our last conversation kind of inspired you to head back to the Adirondacks. So that's really cool, first of all. But um, yeah, I, I just kind of want to hear like the process behind coming up with that very unique idea. Yeah. So basically... I think I was looking through trip ideas and I keep a bunch of bookmarks on my um, computer. When I find hiking ideas, I just organize them by state usually in area. Um, and I actually have a folder called uh, spooky, which is uh, a couple times over the years I've done hikes kind of around the Halloween season, um, which this, this video was not intended for that. I'm going to have to come up with something else for this year, but in that folder, um, I was just poking around looking for ideas and I realized that I had a bunch of these or several of these um, plane crash kind of hikes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're throughout the country where aircraft go down. And this one in particular was a B-47 uh, that went down in the Adirondacks in 1962. And uh, I, I don't know, I'm always just kind of looking for something to make things a little more interesting, both for myself and the and the video, too. Um, so I just started researching it more and got really interested in it. And then actually now that I'm, I'm telling the story, I do remember kind of why I went that direction because my brother-in-law actually gave me some MREs and, oh, uh, okay, yeah. So I was like, okay, cool. Thanks. And that reminded <laughs> me, we kind of talked about it on the previous podcast. My very first trip was supposed to be to, to Pennsylvania solo backpacking. What I didn't mention was, um, I intended for that to trip to be using all military surplus gear for whatever reason. Mm. I just, I started collecting it and then I was like, I should actually use it. I never did that. So when I got the MREs, it kind of gave me the idea. And then I was like, well, if I'm going to do that, maybe I should get a theme going, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it kind of all tied in together. 
That's that's really awesome. I I thought it was great because like I just said, it was so much different than um like the normal trip videos. And, and not that I like don't like you know the the normal videos from yourself and from other other YouTubers, hiker YouTubers as well. Sure. But I don't know. It just put that like fresh twist on it. And I think the the other reason why I really liked it is because. I've just been in that area a bunch of times, like just, I don't know, it's, it's almost like kind of weird, like seeing like yourself or this other, you know, like vloggers, people that have done the AT and stuff, um, mm -hmm. like themselves filming in areas where like I've been and I see like yeah. the thousands of views and I'm just like, that's the, I don't know, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense, but it just kind of like blows my mind a little bit. Um, and also I thought it was cool because I didn't know, first of all, I didn't even know that that um, plane crash existed. I did write many, many, many years ago. As okay. in like four or five years ago, so not that many years ago, but feels like a long time. And I just kind of blew over the top of it, so I don't think I ever knew about that plane crash. And I definitely didn't know about any of the history behind it, obviously. So I thought it was kind of cool that you were talking about like Plattsburgh a little bit, because that's like very close to where I live, just across the lake from Burlington. So it was a really cool idea. Uh, I do want to ask about some of the gear, like the military surplus gear. Um, yeah. Actually, you know what? Hold off on that just for a second. Can you just uh, real quick kind of give uh, an overview of like what the whole video was just for those? I'm sure most people listening have, are, are, have seen it or whatever, but just for some of my regular listeners who might not have, uh, that would be appreciated. Yeah. So basically, it was kind of two things going on. Um, for one, I wanted to do a trip with all military surplus gear. Uh, well, I'd say 90% um, and kind of a 50-50 mix of like semi-old school, like Vietnam era gear. Mm -hmm. um, as well as a little bit of um, maybe 90s to 2000 um, surplus gear. So I had an Alice pack, which is, I mean, if you've ever seen a Vietnam documentary, that olive drab um, canvas looking pack, um, not the most comfortable <laughs> thing in the world. I was going to say, it didn't look very comfortable in the video. <laughs> Although you didn't really complain about it too much. So I was kind of surprised about that as well. Well, luckily because, all right. So, I mean, we, we could get into it more later or not, but um, some, <laughs> People definitely pointed out to me um, some actual vets as well as some people just, I guess, more bushcrafter types. Um, I was aware there is an internal frame that you can put in that pack, um, but I don't own one as well as a hip belt. Um, okay. So uh, allegedly that would make it more comfortable, but I don't know. I mean, I'm sure it would make it more comfortable, but I would maybe not comfortable still. Yeah, <laughs> probably not. So, yeah, so that was a factor. But... To go into the video, so that was kind of my theme. I had a sleeping pad that was um, surplus as well, which surprisingly is actually just a Thermarest sleeping pad. You can get them for like 25 bucks, and it's the same thing from what I can tell. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, so that's a budget backpacking tip there. Um, and then my shelter was just a GI poncho um, that you can rig up as a tarp. So in addition to the gear, um, there's this whole history of uh, – a bomber during the Cold War era. Um, B-47 was designed to go over basically to Moscow, Russia, long distance. And um, that was our, our nuclear uh, defense, basically. And they were doing a training mission um, late at night. I think they left it like midnight on January 2nd, 1962. And they ended up crashing into Wright Peak. Um, they There was no radio contact because they were going low altitude. So they don't know a lot. Um, they just assume that they didn't have very good visuals and they were off course. They shouldn't have been on near right peak. They were like 30 miles away from where they should have been. So, oh, wow. Yeah, something went wrong. 
um, and they clipped just barely the top. And um, yeah, so it's kind of crazy. So there's pieces all over the place there. And my original goal was to go there and find the wing, which is way off trail, about two and a half miles. And uh, things didn't really go as planned as they usually do in my videos. But <laughs> it, it ended up being, you know, kind of a high peaks um, experience. Yeah. And like I said, I, I, I thought it was I thought it was really cool. I've seen like I'm trying to think maybe like two. Honestly, I can only think of one instance that comes to mind where I, I've seen like the plane crashes like in person. But mm -hmm. I'm kind of surprised at how many like various spots throughout the Northeast these like little plane crash sites exist. I'm the one I'm thinking of off the top of my head is on Camel Somp here in here in Vermont, and there's obviously mm -hmm. the one on right. And I, I know there's more out there I just can't think of, but there's like a like kind of a surprising number, like especially because these mountains aren't like that high. But then again, yeah. I guess I guess most of these crashes are happening like back in the day, and not obviously not now with current technology. So I don't know. I I I think that was pretty interesting. How about like acquiring the gear so you mentioned a few minutes ago that you had started collecting some of this stuff did you already have most of it or did you have to actually go out and and buy some of the stuff at like a surplus store or whatever yeah so i had most of it i had the backpack the canteen canteen pouch um some other items and then once i decided the theme for the video i was like all right i gotta fully commit so i think <laughs> I, I think what i picked up from ebay um right before the trip was the Thermarest pad for like 25 bucks. Um, the poncho for like 30 bucks. And I got water purification tablets, which I've never used. Um, but I figured it'd be a little more authentic. Yeah. Um, so similar to what the GIs used to have in their canteen kit. Um, I had no water filter. I just had the little tablets and you just wait half an hour for it to kind of neutralize whatever's in there. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, those are the, the main items I had to buy. How about um, reactions from people on the trail? So now that I, now that I think about it, I I've definitely seen like people using military gear before. So it's not like that that out of place, but I feel like it is a little bit out of place, or or at least like everything being military surplus, right? So yeah. I don't know. Did you get any? Especially because I know you're you're also hiking in a pretty popular, pretty well traveled area. Um, yeah, you know, leaving from the Adirondack Lodge, going up uh, the I think the McIntyre range there towards the right. entire range anyways how did you get any weird reactions or comments looks from anybody oh yeah i was i was actually just about to say you're you're probably well familiar that that's a super popular um area at least in the beginning there um so there's plenty of people around and uh yeah there was definitely a few people that um that commented and uh mostly some some older guys that uh, probably actually use that gear. Yeah, yeah. That it definitely turned their head, and they're like, "Is that Alan's pack?" <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, original." <laughs> That's uh, so, yeah. That was kind of cool. That is that is pretty funny. Um, I guess while we're on the topic of of people's reactions, another thing that popped into my head while I was planning these questions is so after I came up with that first question there, I was also like. I wonder if people ever give him like weird looks or comments when they see him like talking to himself in the camera. I don't know. Have oh. you ever, have you ever had someone, because I'm sure you like, you try to stay away from people when you're doing yeah. that, but I'm sure there's, there's, there has to be times where people like walked up on you or surprised you or something. Can you, is there any funny stories or anything relating to that? Yeah, definitely. Like, um, yeah, like you said, I usually, um, just for the sake of the video, 
tend to try at least try to do it when I'm think I'm alone. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, coincidentally, walking out of this hike, um, I think I was talking to myself right when I walked by the parking attendant at the lodge at the end about to do my like, you know, my sign off line and all that. <laughs> and um, But the funny thing is, nowadays, I feel like I get away with it more because everybody is, you know, talking to their Instagram feed. That's fair. You know yeah. I mean? But like, when I first started, like, seven, eight years ago, um, yeah, there was definitely time like I was in Pennsylvania one time. <clears throat> so less, much less common. This was like 2012. And uh, I walked up to a shelter that I thought was empty, just talking to myself. And then I think I was um, so embarrassed at the time, especially being new to it, that I quickly put the camera down, mm-hmm. which I shouldn't have done. So this person just thought, oh, great. I'm at a shelter by myself. And there's a guy who's been talking to himself. Talking to himself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, man. Yeah. That's, that's so good. Uh, I don't really know like your setup as far as like your camera gear. Although it looked like, were you filming on a GoPro that entire time for this most recent video? Yeah. So like I started out with like a handy cam kind of little flip out guy back in the day. And then I would also carry a GoPro. Then I went hardcore the other way. I had like a black magic camera and um, a Panasonic GH4, which is more like your DSLR looking thing. Yeah. Casey Neistat style, you know? Yep. Um, but I have recently gone completely the opposite direction, and um, yeah, I started carrying just the GoPro, which is that's that's awesome. So I I've been like getting into cameras a little bit more, as some of my audience mm-hmm. will know from my last episode, and I was kind of surprised to like realize that today when I was watching the video, because um, like the audio sounded great, like the video was was great. Um, but anyways, my, my question was going to be, so back before you had just the GoPro and you were carrying around like a full camera, mm-hmm. um, did you ever get any like weird looks or comments just based on the fact that like you were carrying around like all this extra gear that most, all the camera gear that most people aren't carrying around? And the reason I ask is because I've been yeah. hiking with just a Canon M50 mirrorless camera just to take pictures and stuff. And I have it like on my shoulder strap. Or my yeah my yeah my shoulder strap with a little clip there and I've gotten like a couple comments from people just like about my camera or whatever and I it's not even like a full like DSLR like a full frame camera so I don't know I'm just kind of curious yeah. about that yeah mine was a Panasonic the GH4 is mirrorless too but it's still pretty big relative to what you'd see and I I, I would walk around with the you know like the I guess a 12 or 16 inch like bendy tripod on it mm-hmm. um, yeah that would definitely get looks I think the most I got looks was when I did the Narrows in Zion, um, which for anyone unfamiliar is like all, you're basically in a slot canyon. You're, you're hiking in like knee deep water. That is the trail. <laughs> and um, I always want to have my camera available. So if I'm using the, the uh, DSLR mirrorless, I'll, I'll hold it in my hand the whole time. Cause I don't want to have to get it out of my pack. Wait, so, so yeah. you won't you won't even like keep it holstered somewhere? You'll actually like hold no. the camera the entire hike? No, because that's the that thing is so heavy that putting it anywhere is more, it's more uncomfortable than just holding it. Interesting. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So I always have it available. I guess you don't use trekking poles either, then, so that would kind of work out a little bit better. Yeah, which I try to point out to people because people ask me a lot, "Why don't you do trekking poles?" or "What do you have against them?" And I say, "Go for <laughs> it. You should use them." I've just learned to deal with not having them because I need, I, that's just way too much going on to have yeah. in my hands, you know? 
Um, but yeah, when I was hiking in knee deep water, um, <laughs> what appeared to be a rather expensive camera and it is, um, yeah, there was, there was some very concerned looks. <laughs> yeah. Like who is this guy? It's, it's weird. Yeah. Like I had a couple, like one guy like commenting about like how expensive my camera was and he wasn't like, he didn't explicitly say that I was going to break it, but he was kind of like implying that I might break it. And I was like, first of all, I mean, it is kind of expensive, but it's only like a, for cameras, it could be more expensive. It's like six hundred oh, yeah. to seven hundred bucks. So, like, yeah, that's about where mine was. That's a lot of money, but like, some like full frame DSLRs oh, are like two, three grand. Like, it's it's ridiculous. And then you but... throw a lens on, you're pushing like ten. Exactly, it's insane. Yeah, but I mean, my thing is too. I mean, it's meant to be used. I mean, that's why you bought it. There is a certain element of risk there, mm-hmm. but yeah, you know, yeah, definitely. Um, going back to the. The military gear a little bit because mm-hmm. honestly i'm like so fascinated by this it's such a such a good idea um honestly one of those ideas that i wish i had thought of like i saw that and i was like oh that's a good idea i wish i thought of that um are you like a history buff like do you pay attention to history a lot do you like read about that stuff a lot uh yeah i guess you could call me that uh, that's probably a, a favorite uh hobby or pastime of mine okay. is, is is reading up on history and documentaries and particularly military history Mm-hmm. Um, which kind of intertwines with all history, fortunately yeah. or unfortunately, or fortunately, depend. You know. How <laughs> you um. So yeah. So that's kind of my personality type, anyway. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense, and you you definitely like looked the part during. You even had the hat, like the military, like the oh, army. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. I saw that. I was like, okay, this is this is this is just fantastic. Um, as far <laughs> as as far as the gear goes. Now, I'm guessing that you probably wouldn't use most of that stuff um, normally, but no. I do kind of want to hear about, you know, what items like worked out and what items didn't work out. I feel like, honestly, this might be like a good video idea for you in the future uh, as mm-hmm. well. But anyways, yeah, like what like what items like worked out like better than you expected and what items worked out like as shitty as you expected, I guess. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess the first and most obvious thing is just because of the options that are out there now and how far things have come. I mean, the backpack was the biggest um, downside mm-hmm. um, just because of the comfort and um, you know, there's no hip belt, which for me, I like having the pockets there, even in addition to the support. Yeah. And, and honestly, Sean, I feel like having the bear canister in there probably didn't help oh help that either. <laughs> no. So yeah, we didn't even mention that, but I mean, Alice pack is bad enough, but yeah, I, I, I had the full-size bear canister that I apparently shouldn't have been using anyway <laughs> um, shoved in there. And I did the best I could. I have a little foam sit pad that I bring. So I put that against it and then like my spare clothing to tr- try to pad it. Um, but that was definitely digging into my into my back. So the backpack is probably the first thing that was like, okay, that would be the first to go. Um but the sleeping pad, I mean, like I said, now again, I didn't have like a Vietnam era pad, which would have been probably just straight up. I don't know what they did, if they did foam <laughs> or what. Leaves. Um, it, yeah. It was basically just um, a Thermarest pad, like I said earlier. So that I'm on, I'm like, darn, I should have done that instead of buying a, a full price one for my wife years ago anyway. Mm. Um, and then in addition to that, I would say this might surprise you, but the GI poncho is actually kind of cool because <laughs> all right. So I didn't need a pack cover cause the thing's huge. So if it rained, I would just put that over myself 
including the pack mm -hmm. and that would keep me dry and it's also your shelter so i could honestly i mean it would still be a dorky thing to do um or, or a nerdy thing to do whatever um i could see myself in the future still bringing that because interesting um, it worked great as a tarp the thing's bomb proof it's very thick i mean it's not the lightest thing ever but um multi-purpose that saves a little bit of weight yeah so yeah I, I would say that that was that worked pretty well and um yeah that's probably about it the canteen is kind of a wash i mean <laughs> it doesn't weigh any more than an algae um you know yeah definitely got the job done especially for just one night too i feel like although i will say what you did wasn't exactly like the easiest hike you know hiking up a four thousand foot peak in the adirondacks but you weren't out there for super long, so no. that was. I feel like that probably worked out pretty well. How about the MREs? So I've never eaten anything out of an MRE before, but okay. I had a lot of friends and roommates uh, when I was in college that were in Army ROTC. So I would mm -hmm. see them like come home with these things sometimes, and and all the gear for that matter, and. I don't know, just, they don't look very, not even, like, the actual food itself, but just the whole, pa the way it's packaged, like, right. that shit doesn't look appetizing at all. I guess it's not really meant to be super appetizing, but, um, I don't know, you, you seemed a little bit excited about some of it, maybe that was just, like, the M&Ms, but, um, <laughs> yeah, it, why don't you talk about, uh, the food a little bit, you know, what items were not good, and were there any items in there that you were actually kind of surprised at, uh, at their, uh, uh, I want to say edibility is not a word. Um, yeah, but it sounds good. <laughs> I think I think you know what I'm going for there, though. Yeah, no, I would say similar to the poncho, um, the emery's were another surprise to me because I had never eaten one either. Um, they were another surprise to me where it was like, I could see an application for this, and um, I might actually do it again on another trip. Interesting. Yes, the food is actually not that bad. Um, I think, and a lot of military guys would tell you the same thing probably, the reason they get a lot of bad rap is because there's 24 different meals, I think, or something like that. I mean, if you're in the military and you're eating that all the time, and sometimes, you know, they might get a pallet of just one meal, like, you're going to get sick of that. Yeah, yeah. But they're actually, compared to rehydrating backpacking food, it, 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 it's, not, it's not terribly bad in comparison. Yeah, it... it I guess they're not really that different overall. Yeah, and the, I think the plus side to them is if I ever did another trip, like probably out west or something, where it's like a desert hike and um, water's a concern, mm -hmm. um, the nice thing about the MREs is you don't have to worry about extra water. So, yes, they're heavy, but if you're in a situation where you have to carry a ton of water because you don't have any resupply points, you're going to be carrying that weight anyway. Yeah. Um, and it's actually kind of nice to have real food. Like the... I mean, the tortellini I ate was basically just like eating some Chef Boyardee or something, which normally wouldn't be amazing, but it's no different than, you know, a mountain house meal or something. Yeah, probably probably cheaper too. Yeah, and, and then you get the, you know, they have like peanut butter and crackers. I mean, the crackers are pretty dry. They're, you know, they're a little... <laughs> yeah, I saw, you, I saw you like choking up in your video. <laughs> yeah. Trying to eat those things. But they're, and then on a, I actually went on another trip with my friend to the dolly sods and i brought the leftovers and uh there was like a jalapeno cheese spread and those crackers and for whatever reason it was actually pretty good um and then you know it's like a lottery i think they're kind of 
<laughs> tell my friend it's like you open this thing up and it's it's like uh you know backpacking meal roulette you don't know what you're gonna get that's pretty fun. funny <laughs> yeah that's that's pretty funny i i want to say i would try one of those but i'm probably never gonna try one of those to be honest no. <laughs> it is it is it was cool to see your little experiment with them though and the, the yeah. thing about the water that is a good point that's something i never really thought about either so that's interesting um, while we're on the topic of food relating to this hike, mm-hmm. <laughs> this just popped into my head. Uh, no notes on this, but um, <laughs> where did you? First of all, did you get a cheeseburger after that hike? You said you would, but you always say that, so I don't know if you actually. No, did. I did. Oh, where did I go? Oh, you know what? I I had a gift, a gift card that a viewer sent a while ago, so it was for Five Guys, and I was planning on doing that because they have those in New York. But I actually ended up going the Red Robin. Red Robin. Um, I did. I know. I like a lot of times I look for like a nice local place that doesn't exist anywhere. But I won't lie. There's times where I'll just go to a chain. I'll even go, you know, McDonald's or whatever. Yeah. Um, a cheeseburger is a cheeseburger. Hey, especially after a hike. And uh, yeah, so I went to Red Robin. I think I got a bacon cheeseburger. Nice. I, 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 when I was asking that question, I didn't want to be like, oh shit, like I don't want to put him on the spot. Like maybe he didn't actually get a cheeseburger, and like that's all just that's just <laughs> like a tagline. <laughs> I don't, don't do tear down the fourth wall. Um, <laughs> now I would say nine times out of ten, I really do. I mean, there's definitely been times where just because like I'm driving forever and there's no cheeseburgers, but I see like a barbecue joint, I'm like, all right, I'll eat ribs. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's a I think that's a fair substitute. Um, oh, I, God, yeah. I, I won't give you any slack for that. Um, Let's talk a little bit about some of the the filming and video. I mean, we talked about this a little bit in our last conversation, but like I said, like I'm getting into cameras. I haven't really done too much with video yet. It's mostly been photography, but this stuff does kind of fascinate me a little bit and also just, you know, a fellow content creator. So, okay. So what I have written down here is like what goes into planning a hike slash video Now, I think what I was going for there is more along the lines of like, how much does the video aspect influence the planning for the hike, if you get what I'm saying there? Yeah, totally. Um, I would say a lot, probably more so as each year goes on, but that's a good thing because like, I don't know, I mean, the video we've been talking about, the whole uniqueness of like the history and the crash and using weird military gear instead Mm -hmm. of regular gear. Um, I, I don't know if I would have pushed myself to do that if it wasn't for the video. So it, it definitely affects the planning. Um, but I think for me in a good way, yeah. um, because it may, it's making me kind of push the envelope as far as making things kind of unique experience. Like if I wasn't filming that trip, I probably wouldn't have worried about the fact that I didn't have a real military surplus pad, but I had to go all in and it ended up, you know, being that much more fun. Yeah. Um, so it definitely affects it. Yeah. That makes that makes a lot of sense and kind of broadening that question out a little bit, just planning the hikes in general, so not mm-hmm. specifically relating to the video. So you talked at the very beginning, like just you mentioned briefly, like some of the you said something about a list of like every state or like something like that. So I'm kind of like a planner, like kind of a data guy. So that kind mm-hmm. of piqued my curiosity. Um, what were you talking about there? Like, how do you plan these trips usually? Yeah, so I don't actually have one for every state, but so, you know, I got the bookmarks bar in Chrome and unlike 
um, I guess most people, I don't actually have bookmarks up there. I have folders just because I like a lot of stuff accessible. And one of them is backpacking. And then in there, I have a folder for each state that I've looked into um, and then subdivided into regions. So, I mean, if I'm sitting around and my wife and I are watching TV and, and just messing around, I'll Google for uh, hikes just randomly, uh, go on Reddit, whatever, and see ideas for stuff. And, um, you know, if it's in West Virginia, oh, I never heard of that. I'll bookmark it. I'll put it in the West Virginia folder. I might not even be planning to do a trip to West Virginia or anywhere that in that time frame. Um, but then when it's time to do a hike, I can just bust open the backpacking folder. And usually my process is I also have in each region folder, I have a weather.gov. Uh, bookmark for <laughs> meticulous <laughs> for, i like it yeah for that area and then i also have them stripped out into a separate folder um, with just weather.gov for different regions so it'll be like okay i'm going to go somewhere next weekend i don't care where i just want to go somewhere so i'll open the whole folder it might be 16 links um, let it open up and i'll just click through each one until i see decent weather and that'll tell me where to go that is a good idea. I never thought of that before. And I, yeah. and I guess to be fair, my location, like my, the areas that I tend to hike in are a little bit more like concentrated than your like span, right. which is pretty much the whole freaking East Coast, it seems like, which is crazy. But yeah. uh, we, we talked about that a little bit last time. But that's like such a good idea, honestly. And I think I might have said this last episode, but in a weird way, your location in Delaware Mm -hmm. is kind of prime for this stuff because if you're willing to do the drives like that, I mean, you can pretty much go anywhere on the coast, East Coast, versus someone like me. It's like I have a lot of stuff very accessible, a lot more accessible than where you are, but I can't just like pick and choose based on the weather as much. I mean, there's going to be some differences between the Adirondacks and the White Mountains weather-wise, but for the most part, for my under or for my experience... Usually yeah. it rains in both places at the same time, so <laughs> yeah, know, that's, that's why I find some. Yeah, it'll be like the Adirondacks and the Whites are just getting. I mean, like no matter what, they're getting rain. Maybe on two different days, but for a three day hike, I'm yeah. going to, you know, it's not good. So, yeah, at least I can go south nine hours, and then that's an eighteen hour difference. Um, and I might go to the Smokies instead or mm. wherever. Now, another thing you said there, you know, browsing. Maybe this is probably super obvious. I'm probably just stupid for not <laughs> thinking about this before but you know browsing like reddit and other online resources to find cool hikes is a great idea and the reason i the reason i never really thought about this is because usually i just like open a map and just like make a hike like a custom like loop or whatever that's what i've done the past right. couple weekends in the whites like i'll just make a custom loop like, you know, not based off of any, like, trip reports or anything like that. But again, I think that also probably comes down to the fact that I'm only hiking in, like, a couple areas and don't have as many options, I guess. Um, when you say, like, the let's let's talk about the, you call it the Prezicat loop, I think it is? Yeah. So did you kind of come up with that loop on your own, or did you see, like, some trip reports from people that did a similar thing before? No, I think that's one of my few original creations. Um, okay. I say that confidently because I originally tried it. Oh God, I think it was twelve. I don't know if it was two thousand and thirteen, but I know back then. Um, I mean, I'm sure people have put that loop together, but like, 
I didn't find it. I, di I didn't find it out there. Um, so I just decided I wanted kind of the best of both worlds. Um, the Wildcats and the Carters on one side and the Presidentials on the other. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just kind of threw it together. Um, and if you Google, I mean, definitely the name is completely fabricated <laughs> by me. Because if you Google that, you're not going to. Well, I would say a couple years ago, if you Google that, nothing will come up except for my video. But it's funny, when I planned it most recently, I went ahead and Googled it. And it was kind of a weird, meta, trippy thing to Google that. And then I actually got ideas for my own loop from other people that have tried it um since it actually improved on it a little bit mm -hmm. i see um, it on i see an all trails page for it right now so you you created like your own loop hike in the in the whites that's that's pretty sweet <laughs> yeah and sometimes that gps data is funny because i'll look at it and then i'll see that it's actually mine <laughs> oh. <laughs> like people will re-upload it <laughs> yeah that's pretty funny i actually tried to do something kind of similar a few years ago and again we kind of talked about this in our last episode, but, um, I, I didn't, I didn't come up with a creative name for it. It was just more like go bag as many 4,000 footers as I can and ended up not even completing the loop anyway. So actually that's, that's a good topic to bring up because you had a little bit of trouble with this, uh, this loop as well. You said it was the third time that you finally nailed it. Yeah. So the first time, so each time I've tried to do it is three days. Um, which logistically, honestly, um, I don't know that you can stretch it to four and really make a difference just because there's so much above tree line and rugged area on this particular loop um, that there really aren't camp options other than very three very specific areas. Mm -hmm. um, so I did three days each time. The first time, it was really just a timing issue. Um, and it, I had to be at work the next day and I had to drive nine hours home or eight or whatever. So I cut it short. Um, when I came to the Wildcats, I didn't end up doing the Carters. I kind of just skipped those. And then the second time is when I fell on my face and busted <laughs> that open. Um, and I got a big old black eye and a swollen head. And uh, my friend and I just decided, eh, we'll, we'll chill this trip out again uh, and yeah. not, not go for that. So... Yeah, there's some bad luck and timing issues, but this time I finally actually went up there and properly did it. And it ended up being good. I mean, it was it's a lot of elevation gain. It was long days. You're definitely night hiking. I mean, even in summer when I did it, um, that middle day is pretty tough. Uh, it's only 12 miles, but it's, you know. 12 classic. white mountain miles. So yeah, that's... and classic white mountain. So you do the wild... The middle section is the worst. I mean, you end up doing the Wildcats. You go all the way down the base level on Route 16. Then you go up to Mount Washington and then down Sphinx Trail another 1,000 feet. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a little rough, but it's fun. Yeah, it's it's definitely pretty gnarly. I think i got to go back and, and give it another try at some point. Um, I've also been doing this thing lately where I talked about this a couple episodes ago, but now that I've done like the 4,000 footers there already – I've been like yeah. trying to go and hit some of the lesser known or yeah, lesser known, I guess, um, lesser traveled areas, I guess, basically the areas that I never even considered hiking in the whites because mm -hmm. they weren't part of the 4,000 footers. I felt like I was kind of like, a like missing out on a lot of stuff because, you know, I was only focused on the 4,000 footers. Have you, I'm sure you've had a chance to hit some of the 
like lesser traveled areas beyond you know the the presidentials in Franconia and the the wildcats the the really popular stuff right oh yeah for sure i was actually listening to your podcast the other day when you were talking about the 4000 foot list and how it might change yeah and uh yeah you actually really got me thinking like there's probably a lot of peaks at like 38 or 3900 feet that are like completely <laughs> underappreciated cuz they're not in that list um yeah, I've definitely I'm trying to think. I know I'm I'm the one that comes to mind off the top of my head is when you did that like bow tie hike like years ago, I think it was. Yeah. Like where was that was that was what the Wild River Yeah, something? Wild River Range. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> that actually hits on that's actually like the yeah, the loop we were just talking about. It's like you stay over in the Wildcat area. Um and you do Carter Dome and uh Mount Height. I don't know. Is Mount? Uh, I'm trying to remember now. I'm on the spot. Is Mount Haida? It's not. No. It well. I mean, it is. I think, but it's not on the list. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, yeah, now it's coming back to me on that hike. But Carter Dome is right. Yep, Carter Dome is. Yeah, but I mean, if I had to choose between the two, I would do Mount Haida. Yeah, same here. Hundred percent. It's actually kind of funny because Mount Haida is on the AT. I yeah, it's, I think it's on the AT. I, I did it on my thorax. <laughs> I hope it's on the AT. Yeah, no, I remember it was. You can go around it, but the AT, yeah, definitely makes it go over yeah, it. Yeah, and so I, I had done, like like I said, I'd, I'd done all the 4,000 footers before my AT thru-hike, but I hadn't done Mount Height because it's not a 4,000 footer, and just the way the, the various hikes I did before that worked out, I just never skirted over it, so... I remember getting up there and being like, "This is this is bullshit," because it is better than Carter Dome, but it's it's awesome. It's not on the list, so you don't get to it. And so that's actually a really good example of a peak that's a uh, that's not on the list that is kind of underappreciated. And then another thing I wanted to say about that too, kind of relating back to that hike you did in the Wild River Wilderness or Range, whatever it's called, this some white mountain like junkie out there freaking out because I'm not saying that right, but. Oh, sure. um, it's it's not just the peaks too, like hitting some of the the less known peaks. Like a lot of these trails, like just the low elevation trails or whatever, are so freaking cool too. And there's so many like cool campsites and all these yeah. just like remote areas that aren't super well traveled that people just don't hike in that much because they're trying to peak bag. So I don't know. There's there's definitely a lot out there. Um, I'd like to get to that Wild River, I think area at some point as well. I did do one hike. I left from like the Shelburne Trail and went up like Black Angel Trail. I did like part of what you guys hit, I'm pretty sure. But yeah. I didn't like the whole bow tie like loop idea is, is a pretty unique one. That's that's a pretty good idea as well. Yeah, the, the Black Angel Trail, yeah, that's a cool area um, for sure. And I mean, like you were saying, a lot of these approach trails to the 4,000 footers are pretty well established and for because, you know, obvious reasons. Um, but I like a lot, I like a lot of times being on a trail that's not well used. Mm-hmm. We're going to go slower, but you really feel like you're out there. You're actually hopping over logs, especially the wilderness areas. If it's not well used, they're not even allowed to use chainsaws. Yeah. They have to use hand tools. So guess what? It's going to stay there for maybe five years. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's just a totally different experience. You feel more like you're really out there, um, to a different degree. Yeah. And, and I was actually thinking about this the other day because last weekend I did, just a, a fairly relaxed trip in the whites, just like two nights, three days. And again, my objective was to just hit some areas I had never been before and just take a bunch of photos, basically. And I did this one trail. I, what was the name of the trail? It went up this mountain called Mount Tremont, I think it's called. 
Okay. And oh, I can't remember the name of the trail. I, I posted about it on my Instagram story, if anybody remembers that. But it was just so funny that there's some trails in the Whites that are so, like, established. And they're basically, like, two-lane highways, basically. Like, you can yeah. pass somebody without having to step off the trail or slow down or anything. And mm-hmm. then there's other trails like this one that I was on. Bartnum Trail, maybe? It was something like that. It started with a B, I think. And... It's, it's basically not a trail like it was pretty yeah. much a, I, I said on my instagram story it felt like a guided bushwhack basically like i could see a couple trail markers i right. could see some some roots kind of sticking out from you know being worn down but i mean it was super overgrown bunch of blowdowns like basically not a trail and it is kind of fun like in a weird like way because like you said it is more difficult but you do just kind of feel like like i swear to god i was probably like the first person in weeks that had hiked on this trail like it was just like not a trail basically so that, that's that stuff no, is always fun no i was gonna so say like those wilderness areas i mean they're legally not even allowed to blaze them mm-hmm. so so if it's a low use trail like you really got <laughs> you gotta be on your a game because there's not a bunch of footprints and um you know like you said wide open uh beaten down trail yeah yeah and I feel like sometimes, especially with this trail I was just talking about, I feel like someone who's not an experienced hiker, who doesn't mm. kind of, because you, you probably know what I mean when I say that once you've hiked enough, you kind of get like a an intuition about like where the trail goes. Like you might come to right. a spot where it's not like super obvious, but you can usually kind of figure it out just based off of, you know, just looking at like the way the trail is worn or looking for like some some logs that might have been cut or, you know, just little things like that that someone might not realize that's not an experienced hiker. And I was on this trail and I was thinking, like, somebody who's not an experienced hiker probably would, like, actually get lost on this trail, which is <laughs> kind Freak of... Freak out a little bit. Yeah, yeah like, you, like sure. I could easily see somebody getting lost on, on a trail like that. So, I don't know. I don't, I don't really have a question there, but... <laughs> no, it's a good point. I mean, I, I, you know, I mean, it's little things, like... There's been times where I, I, I'm like, I don't know if I'm on the trail. I have no idea. But it's like you look for the hiking pole indentations. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's that's okay. a good one. That's a good one. Somebody's <laughs> been here. Or like the rocks, you know, it's almost like graffiti, but everybody scrapes the rocks with yeah. the hiking poles. But you don't really – when I first started hiking, I never really saw that. But, you know, if you're especially in the whites, if you see that telltale scrape on the rock, you're like, okay. This is actually where I go. Yeah, this yeah, that's like the kind of stuff you have to look out for and yeah, and like I said a few a few seconds ago, like the roots that are kind of sticking out of the ground a little bit. The yeah. ones that are like real, you know, just barely below the surface and then they get kind of you know, eroded out or whatever. Um like right. it's like those little things that you have to look for. I remember there have been times where I've tried to like explain to my mom that I have like a good sense of like following the trail and like you you can't really explain that to someone who's not like a hiker, I feel like so I don't yeah. know. There, there are those little things that you can look out for. Um, so I kind of want to transition. We talked quite a bit in our in our last conversation about how you pretty much always bring the camera with you, or at that point you had always brought the camera with you. I remember I asked if you had uh-huh. ever done a trip, you know, without filming, basically, and you said no, and then you seemed pretty like you know dead set on the fact that you would never actually do that i remember i was listening to it today i should have written down some quotes so i could really kind of kind of get you with this one but um no it seemed like you really had no intention of ever doing that you always wanted to bring the camera 
and that totally makes sense. However, according to your email you sent me today, yeah, you went on a trip without filming. Finally, now you might not want to let your audience know this; they might be pissed. But yeah. <laughs> I don't care. I'm gonna go there anyway. Yeah, I kind of want to hear about it. You know what? Uh, what you said you went to West Virginia, I think something like that, right? Yeah, we went to Dolly Sod. So yeah, it's true. I mean, other than like anything that wouldn't be super interesting for a video, like like car camping trips, plenty mm-hmm. of that stuff, or just a mile off the trail, whatever. Yeah, I filmed it all. Um, you had asked me before that question, and uh, it, it kind of got in my head. And I did remember you broke me down a little bit because I said, <laughs> "Well, I guess if there's ever a time where it's an it's an area that I've gone before, and there's really." nothing else to add or not as much to add by making a video, I would do it. And it was like three weeks ago, I think at this point, um, my friend, Mike, who's been in the videos called me up. He was planning to do a trip with his son, um, to the white mountains and the weather was just terrible, um, (laughs) for when he wanted to go. And, uh, he started looking for other stuff and down South, the weather was good, but, um, he, he wasn't as familiar with the area to do like a last minute trip. So he called me up in the afternoon and said, uh, you got one hour to pack a bag. <laughs> um, we're going to Dolly Sods. And I was like, at first I was like, I can't do that. I, you know, I got X, Y, Z tomorrow. And then I was like, no, I'm going to cancel that. <laughs> so I said, okay. So it was a great excuse because I had, this would be my fourth time to Dolly Sods. Um, on top of that, I had just at the time, I think it was only six weeks prior, had done a whole video on the Dolly Sons. Okay. And I knew because of the last minute nature of the trip and the fact that the sun was going that we're going to keep it simple and just do exactly what I knew, which was the same exact trip. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on top of that, my other excuse was like one hour to get ready is bad enough, but throwing camera gear and charging batteries in there is, yeah, it, it ain't happening. So I was like, uh, and I thought of the, the podcast we did and I was like, well, this is it. I'm going to actually do it. Um, <laughs> and it was the weirdest experience ever. Cause I've, like I said before, never hiked without doing it. And uh, wow. Talk, talk about relaxed. But at the same time, it was almost like PTSD. Like there'd be times we'd be like, wow, that's a really cool view. And I'm like, oh my God, I haven't filmed anything. <laughs> or where's my camera? Like, I don't know. I don't have to do that. <laughs> so, yeah. Damn, dude, that that's that's so incredible. And I, I can't relate to this, obviously, because I haven't filmed every single hike. But I can't imagine that it must have just been like a huge – I don't want to say it's like a burden to make your films. Obviously, you like to do them. But like it is a lot of extra work. And just not – not having all that like extra stuff to do like that must have just been like kind of kind of freeing in a way like i guess i don't know like um... oh yeah i mean the one morning i woke up like i usually do like an hour before i should and i you know i'm trying to sleep but i'm going through my head like how am i going to establish the morning shot how do i start today's video and then it just like hit me i'm like oh, i don't have to do that and i went back to sleep <laughs> yeah take yeah take a couple extra minutes of sleep yeah like damn that's yeah. that's that's so awesome. Now I, I know it was only one trip, and I don't know how long how long were you guys out there for? Um, we did three days, uh, two nights. I mean, uh, technically, the first night we got there real late. We night hiked in, um, so it felt like a longer trip than it was. But yeah, it was like a three day. Mm-hmm. So that's that's you know that's that's decent. Um, so yeah, I, it was only one trip, three days. So, you know, maybe this is jumping the gun a little bit here, but 
Like, did you like i don't even know how to phrase this without sounding corny as hell but like did you did you gain like any like sort of like different or new perspective on backpacking or hiking you know not having to worry about the uh the filming aspect yeah i mean like like you said i think it just it felt it felt totally different like we we had mentioned before on the previous podcast and i, I still think it's true that i probably actually see and appreciate more mm-hmm. uh, because i'm looking for shots but on the flip side, when not filming, I feel like I just appreciated just kind of the randomness or just yeah. walking along something that wouldn't have been a shot anyway, but I might have been wrapped up in my head about the next shot instead of just, oh okay, you know what I mean? Just, yeah. uh, just walking down the trail and talking to my friends. It's not like I don't do that anyway, but it's always in the back of my head. So I think this is a good question to kind of segue into. Um, how do you like keep the motivation to to film these hikes because i again i can't relate to this completely because i'm not filming you know like really long videos of my hikes but even just like taking a lot of photos like trying to get into photography this past summer like i've i've been doing like sometimes you do kind of have to force yourself to get out the camera especially obviously towards the ends of your of your hikes and kind of you know continue to try to create content when you're exhausted like this. So yeah. How do you kind of keep the motivation to, to film and talk to the camera and do all this stuff and and plan, think ahead and all that stuff when the exhaustion sets in at the end of a trip like that? Um, I think because my main passion is storytelling and filmmaking. Okay. Um, I mean, they're my two favorite things, backpacking and filmmaking, but I think the edge might go to the filmmaking so it's always, I mean, like, it's fun for me. It's always going to be fun. Yeah. So it doesn't, as much as it feels like a thing to do and a preoccupation and it is a form of work, um, I enjoy it so much that um, it, it really is what I want to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it, I guess I don't have to motivate myself to do it. I, I At least as of right now, it might change someday. And if so, then I'll do something else. But um it's yeah, it's what I want to do. So the main thing for me is just pushing myself to put myself in different positions and situations, um, especially because and it's a, it's a good thing. But, the you know, compared to when I started, the hiking videos are kind of a dime a dozen now. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some great ones out there, just like anything else. But, um, you know, I'm always pushing myself to have some sort of angle or yeah. edge, you know, to tell a story. And I would say you've been doing a pretty good job, as we've been talking about in this, uh, especially towards the beginning of this episode here. Um, let's see. Oh, dude, I have so much here. I I, I want to ask you about uh, your little, <laughs> the the hammock hang adventure you said you went uh, yeah. to meet up or whatever that you're at. So I don't even know anything about that. Like, what was what was that all about? Yeah. So the one I went to was the Mid Atlantic Mid Atlantic Hammock Hang. Um, and they do it every year in Pine Grove um, State Park, I believe it is, up there in Pennsylvania. Okay, cool. Um, I think they've been doing it 11 or 12 years. And they're apparently – or well, I shouldn't say apparently. I've known. They're all over the country. Um, seems to be more on the East Coast, but they're all over. Um, and it's just people that get together. I mean, in this case, it's a lot of people from – it's hammockforums.net is like a big kind of hub for uh, hammock nerds and people into that. Um, it's kind of like, it's actually the same people to do whiteblaze.net. 
Gotcha. But, yep. but it's for hammock camping. Whiteblaze.net, that still exists nowadays. <laughs> it does. I actually went on there the other day just for the hell of it. Dude, when I when I was like first getting into hiking, um, along with watching your videos and other YouTubers, I was like doing a lot of white blazing. I even had an account. I, I was probably like the only like sixteen year old on whiteblaze.net. But oh, nice. uh, I honestly forgot that website even existed because nowadays I feel like at least for me it's like more you know, Facebook and, and Reddit, honestly, is Reddit, probably the yeah. biggest one. Um, that's that's kind of funny that you... I think this is probably the first time whiteblaze.net has ever been brought up on this podcast, so we're, <laughs> we're making history here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so on the hammockforums.net, um, they'll just do... They have a whole section for it. It'll be like group hangs and meetups, and uh, it'll just be... Usually they'll rent out... I mean, in the case of this one, they'll rent out an entire... Uh, group hang uh, group camping area to do the hang at and I had never done one before because I'm a bit of a uh, introvert or a shy person um, so I had never done it but and they had, I think they invited me last year and I couldn't make it and then uh, I said I'll finally do it so I went up and did that and it's actually I mean hammock camping is a whole nother uh, topic but if you're into that um, unlike tents there's so many ways to kind of customize it and uh, really kind of nerd out. So it's fun to just walk around and see other people's setups and mm -hmm. kind of swap tips and war stories and all that stuff. <laughs> that that does sound like fun. And I, I can definitely see it with the hammock people. So I, I have a hammock, but I'm not like, like super into it. I'm not like messing around on hammock forms or any of that stuff. So mm. I could totally see everybody just like going and hanging out for like quite literally hanging out for a weekend and, and nerding yeah. out about that stuff. So that sounds, uh, that sounds pretty fun. And, and Pine Grove Furnace State Park is pretty damn, or well, relatively close to, to where you live as well. So I guess that kind of worked out, huh? Yeah, it wasn't bad. It was a two and a half hour drive. Um, so for me is uh hopping <laughs> skip yeah i was gonna say compared to driving like <laughs> seven no. hours like up or down the east coast so yep that, that sounds like a lot of fun um that's a, that's a cool area too i i was there very briefly on my through hike kind of was was a oh yeah the was, half gallon challenge is right there yeah that's dude where you were. <laughs> yeah exactly um let's see it was probably a little bit late now in the season but did you see maybe some southbounders did you yes. see any through hikers going through there were a couple and my wife said, I, I, just, I overheard them. They said uh, something about their through hike. And just instinctively, I joked like, oh, I hope not. Like they'd be way out of, they'd be in some <laughs> trouble if that's the case. But then when I got back to camp, um, you know, somebody mentioned that the southbound um, bubble was probably going through around. Yeah. Then, so that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That was my first like thought too, as, as just played out a second ago. But no, southbounders are, are people too. Uh, as much as as much as a lot of northbounders don't want to admit, um, <laughs> it's got to be lonely compared to northbound. Though I guess yeah. you see other people going in the other direction for a little bit. Yeah, for like a for like a little while, because that's kind of how it was. Like obviously the other way around when I was going northbound, it's like I hit the first couple southbounders actually around that that same area in Pennsylvania, oh, and okay. then saw them for you know maybe like a month or so, and then. They just they they just cease to exist after that. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Um, so while we're talking about hammocks, we are getting towards the end here. But I mean, almost two hours of of talking to Syntax seventy seven haven't even really talked about hammocks yet. So I, I got to work this in. Um, have you have you ever been in a circumstance 
where I'm not going to say where you couldn't use your hammock, and I'm talking like East Coast, like um, not not like out west where you just like didn't even bring a hammock. Right. Um, have you ever been in a circumstance where you had a hammock and that was it, and you had a tricky time or like couldn't find a spot to actually set it up? Yeah, it's definitely happened. Um, ironically, you would think it would be times where it's like, oh my god, there's no trees here, but it's the opposite Yeah, is usually the problem for me. I mean, it even happened on that press cat loop that we were talking about the first night. Um, there's very few legal camping spots around where I wanted to be. So I had to hike down the trail a ways and, um, it, it's white mountains. So it's, it was very <laughs> dense. Now on the upside, it would have been impossible to use a tent. There. Yeah. So, yeah. So I'm glad I had the hammock. But the trees were so dense that they were too close. Um, so it was actually very tough to find trees that were far enough apart. But I really didn't have any other option. I mean, sometimes people go out with a sleeping pad for their hammock, which isn't ideal. But when you first start, it's kind of a budget thing to do. But the upside of that is you could go to ground and just put your tarp up. Um, for me, it wasn't an option. So I just had to... I mean, I spent a good hour more than I wanted to, probably, um, just hiking around looking for trees. And oh, wow. Even then, it was, yeah, it was um, just kept going further and further down the trail and uh, eventually just gave up and did two that were probably too close together. But um, I just had to wrap my whoopee slings around the tree a couple of times and just get it as close as possible. Um, and the hang wasn't exactly right, but it was good enough. And then the tarp was definitely like barely, <laughs> barely had room. But see, you know, that's a, that's what I was gonna say because on my through hike a couple times, I, I I was always able to get the hammock set up, but I did have trouble a couple times getting the tarp. the tarp, like having enough space again because of the density of the trees. You know, having enough space to actually set the tarp up. Um, generally, I was. Uh, I, I'm one of those people that will not set my tarp up if I don't have to. Like, if I know for oh, yeah. sure that the weather forecast is looking good, I would just be like, screw it, and, and not put the tarp up, which I'm not going <laughs> to – probably not the best idea. <laughs> it always worked out for me, but I, I, I'm i sure there's someone out there, like, screaming at their phone, being like, I did that once, and I got, like, soaking wet or some shit, but I don't know. <laughs> it is – it can be – I'll, I'll at least put it uh, – I'll put it up with the snakeskin so it's out of the way, and then – if it did rain, I could pull it down. But yeah, yeah, that's that's not a bad idea actually. See, I, I'm usually too lazy to even <laughs> do that. I <laughs> to don't even blame do that, you. honestly. <laughs> the best thing ever is when you don't have to set the tarp up, and then you know the next morning you just take the hammock down and roll. Yeah, yeah. Or one time, I probably shouldn't have done this. Looking back on it, um, I <laughs> I was at a shelter in Virginia, and there was like a it had the shelter, and then there was also like a cooking area that had a roof and like some poles like for the roof obviously and i just like set my hammock <laughs> just like set my hammock up underneath the, the roof there which again looking back on it probably probably not the the best move but i asked yeah. and nobody cared that was there at the time so oh, yeah, you asked, at least. <laughs> yeah I, I tried to be courteous about it um yeah don't do that people don't do that um yeah dude we're getting towards the end here so do you sean do you want to do a story because i i I didn't warn you about it again this time, but you, you should 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 have known this time, a uh, second time around. So I don't know. Do you have one on deck or? Um... Yeah, I could. Uh, yeah, I could come up with. Uh, you know, it's usually uh, 
Let's see, an interesting story. Um, you know, last time when we talked, we briefly touched on it. it involves winter camping. Um, and I used it uh, just as an example of why I kind of suggested that for winter camping, maybe instead of loop pipes, you do an out and back because yep. you know it gives you a contingency. And my example I used was the time that uh, my friend Mike and I went to winter camp planning to do a loop and we ended up kind of aborting and going back. Um, so this would be, I think this was 2013. This was real early. So neither one of us knew what we were doing. Um, well, I still don't, but it was real bad back then. <laughs> and uh, just as an example, it's called high wind, high winds hiking in the white mountains. If you want to see two people that um, really should not have been doing what they're doing and what you shouldn't <laughs> do. So we went up for winter hiking. Um, we did bring a tent. Um, but my friend Mike and I, I did have hard shell pants. Um, he did not. He loved his regular summer pants. Um, and he swore they dry really quick. So why bring a hard shell? <laughs> and uh, as ridiculous as that is, it shows my experience level that I only tried to convince him that was a bad idea like once. <laughs> so he went up there. Luckily, he did have gaiters. But um, he's hiking in... He has thermals underneath, but he has summer hiking pants, so they're just soaking all the moisture up. Yeah. Um, as we walk, you know, we're going through snows coming off the trees and hitting us everything. The worst part was we were right on that bubble of temperature where it was just in between freezing and not freezing, around 32 degrees. Mm -hmm. So we're hiking, and our plan was to do north and south twin, and they had – we don't know for sure what the winds were where we were. Uh, we were a few miles away from Mount Washington, but they were recording a hundred and something miles per hour winds, um, maybe a hundred and two, a hundred something. So we're using snowshoes. We go over South Twin. Um, we're getting blown. I would say eighty mile per hour winds, honestly. Damn. Um, yeah. So I mean, Mike went airborne at one point. It like <laughs> caught, it caught. I guess the perfect step with his snowshoe. Um, when it was in the air, the other one got caught by wind. I actually had it on video. He lifted his whole body up. Um, then we got knocked over. We had to crawl over the summit. It was totally covered in ice. We had to use our hiking poles, which we did have, to uh, beat the ice off of the uh, sign up there so we could see where to go. <laughs> um, then we start hiking down um, in the snow. It's still deep snow. It's just the temp is around right on that freezing point. Yeah. It warms up a little bit. It starts raining. <laughs> Perfect <laughs> hypothermia combination. Oh, yeah. Which, speaking of hypothermia, um, another thing that Mike was doing was um, he was eating snow because he thought that was fun, like off the trees. <laughs> and again, to my experience level, lack thereof, I knew enough to tell him not to do it, but not enough to insist that he didn't do it. Um, <laughs> and if you watch that video, you will notice that he has slightly slurred speech a couple times which um, we were not drinking. So at, as some of you know, that's first signs of uh, hypothermia. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going along. I have uh, snowshoes that are not mountaineering. They're meant for like walking on a meadow. So they keep popping off and then I'm post holing. We're, you know, so high up on the snow that we don't see any blazes anymore. And uh, finally we just gave up. It was dark. We set up our tent. And uh, just said, screw it. Tomorrow morning, we're going to go back out the same way and just camp somewhere near the car. Mm -hmm. um, 
And because we got rained on all day, the next morning we woke up and our jacket was like, you know, plywood, just frozen completely solid. Um, had to thaw that out, hiked back out, went back over North and South Twin. And as you know, with the White Mountains, it was a beautiful sunny day instead of a, a blizzard. Mm-hmm. And uh, it ended up being okay. But don't hike like that would be the moral of that story. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, you you made it out, and it, it definitely made for a pretty good video too. I've it's been a while since I've watched that one, but uh, I I have yeah, seen it. So, <laughs> oldie but goodie. Um, yeah, dude, I think we're gonna kind of wrap it up. Um, Sounds good. Love love the White Mountain stories. That's that's always great. I a lot of people that listen to the show like love the White Mountains, so and for good reason. Um, yeah. yeah, dude. So, I a couple more quick quick things here as we kind of wrap this up. I, I did a poll on my Instagram story, as I often do before these episodes, and the 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 number one question I got was, when are you going to do a thru-hike? People were, like, super <laughs> insistent about this, They're, and I'm sure you get it all the time. Like, they were just like, he's got to do a thru-hike, he's got to do a thru-hike, and I mean, we did kind of talk about this la- the yeah, last episode, last but time. I got I to gotta, I gotta ask again, dude, <laughs> when, when are you going to do be? a thru-hike, Sean? <laughs> I don't know. I, I will be in my lifetime, but it is it is tough to to uh, literally walk away for two or, or three months, actually. Uh, uh, three to four, I guess, um, depending on where I did it. Um, I don't know. I should cut my teeth at some point and at least do like a, a shorter one one of the smaller guys right i mean there's some good ones on the east coast they're only a couple hundred miles or even something like that yeah um i don't have a solid answer for that but someday <laughs> i had to ask man i had to ask uh, i don't i don't blame you i ask myself often but by the way uh frozen from outdoor adventures says that you need to do it through hike. he was one of the people that that uh oh he tried <laughs> that to you know, it's funny i actually just listened to your podcast with him eh, like a week ago <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. I'm I'm glad that my my guests also listen to the podcast, or, or some of them do anyway. So I know there's other ones out there as well. So shout out to all you guys. Um, yeah. So my last question: you might not you might not want to be too specific about this, or maybe you will. I don't know. I don't know how you operate, but a a good question that I got from Instagram was: what do you have planned for this upcoming winter? Oh. <sighs> Nothing yet. My only plan is that I will be going out. Um, <laughs> is that even a plan, though? I feel like that's that's kind of a given. Yeah, that's not a plan. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, I mean, to put it in perspective, the reason I don't even answer that question, I'm going on a hike next week. Um, so we're talking like five days from now, and I'm still not 100% where I'm going. Okay. Um, so, so um, but I, I think definitely – I like to do a little bit of both, um, which I kind of touched on last time, but um, definitely something in the either – I'm going to say either or. The whites or the Adirondacks. Um, deep snow stuff is coming for sure, and then maybe something down south to chill out or yeah. warm up. But I think – you know, I keep having people telling me to get up to Michigan and really freeze my butt, up, butt off. So maybe I'll actually make that happen this year. Maybe I'll finally get up to Michigan and really get some sub-zero terribleness. <laughs> That's not a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. Well, or, or maybe it is a bad idea, but I'm sure it'll make for a good film regardless. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Cool, man. Uh, I think that's going to do it. Sean, thank you so much for coming on again. Um, 
I'm I'm gonna sign you up for a third one at some point right now, whether you are gonna consent to that or not. Um, yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much, and of course, to everybody listening, thank you all so much as well. Please check out the Patreon and the Instagram and all that good stuff. Have a good one.